Last week, we left Jonah in the belly of the big fish. So, how did he get there? We'll pick that up real quick. It says, Jonah chapter 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So, Jonah runs away from God. That's the beginning of the story, chapter 1. Jonah, of course, prophet of God. What's the job if you're a prophet of God? Point people to God. So, Jonah told to go to this people, the nation nation of Assyria, bad people. Jonah didn't like them, wanted them punished by God. So in order for them not to hear the message, in order for them not to hear about God and for their hearts to turn toward God and then not be punished, Jonah goes the other way, hoping that they'll never hear and God will follow through and punish them and crush the nation of Assyria because that would help him out as a prophet of God in the nation of Israel. All right, that is chapter 1. Chapter 2, here's where we're going today. Whose story, down, 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 from the sign of Jonah, and finally, echo, 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 echo. It's good, isn't it? You can, like, see it there. All right. Whose story is this? What is the story of Jonah all about? You know, it's titled Jonah, so you might think it's about this guy Jonah. There's also some sailors that seem pretty important in the story. Maybe it's about them, or maybe it's about the Ninevites, about them. You know, there's lots of themes in the book of Jonah, but the story is God's story. This is a story about God, a story about God's involvement here on earth. And it's interesting because in you know, the Old Testament, we expect God to be interested in the people of God, Israel, that he created, that he's raising up. But here, God is also paying attention to other nations. God has his eyes on other people and caring for them also. So this morning, when we talk about God's story, um, there's one whole realm of existence But we're going to talk about it in two parts. Even though it's one whole, we're going to talk about the natural realm, you know, the things that we can see and smell and touch and taste, you know, the natural realm that you can see me and see that I have height and width and length and it grows in different ways. You can see the presence of me, but you also know that there's something more, that I have a soul, that I'm a spiritual being. You know that there's something that animates me. So that's the spiritual realm. And we get little glimpses of the spiritual realm, but it's not like the physical realm. The physical realm, we see, it's clear, it's right in front of us. This morning we're talking about how this whole spiritual and natural realm working together is what God is connected to. So the story of Jonah is about God. And the story invites us to see beyond the natural realm to see the included spiritual realm, to see God. So in those first few, few verses, we saw that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. You know, that's not a natural, ordinary thing for God to speak into this world. So that's out of the ordinary. And maybe you want to only read the story at a natural level. So you are going to interpret that. You're going to say, okay, 
Well, I read that and I interpret it that, you know, Jonah believed he heard from the Lord. Or maybe you'll say, well, Jonah, you know, he, he hears voices and he's not quite right. And that's the hearing he heard. You can dismiss the story reading only at a natural level. But then Jonah runs and God sends a storm. Once again, a storm could be a natural event. I mean, we have storms all the time. Storms rise up on the sea and the sailors know what to do. They know how to like deal with a storm. But the sailors themselves begin to notice there's like this echo in the storm that this is of divine origin. This isn't a normal storm. You know, they do all the normal things like throw the cargo out to lighten the ship. They start rowing harder to get back to shore. They do all the things they know how to do day in and day out in their natural experience. But there's something greater in this storm. There's something more. And these sailors, these sailors are not the representatives of God in the story. The sailors, they don't really know God, and yet they are aware of something in the spiritual realm among them. And so they ask, let's cast lots and decide what is going on here. And again, if you read it from just the natural realm perspective, you think, oh, casting lots, that's ridiculous. You know, yeah, you can write everybody's name on a little stick and then draw one out. Well, you just have like a one in ten chance of pulling out your name. Like there's no anything in the casting of lots and pulling out sticks because that belongs to the spiritual realm. That control, that participation is God's activity in the casting of lots. Then the sailors, after much deliberation and trying to row harder, they finally plead with God, don't kill us, and they toss Noah or Jonah, sorry, overboard. They toss him overboard, and what happens next? The, the storm just instantly calms. Like, that's not normal. You know, you can't throw your friend in the ocean and then the storm calms. It's not normal. So we're invited to see in the story how God is acting, how God is participating. And if you thought before that the storm was just a natural event, once again, you're invited to reconsider, ooh, the storm just stopped? There's something to that. And then finally, we get to the big fish swallowing Jonah. You know, this big fish, again, it's not a natural realm thing. Well, yes, there are big fish in the ocean, but this, the scripture says that God appointed a big fish. Like, this is, once again, God acting. Just like God spoke to Jonah, just like he sent the storm, just like he controlled the casting of lots, here's God acting once again with the big fish. And when it comes to the uh, big fish, we really want to have a natural explanation. We want to ask, you know, what, what kind of fish was this? And what are the mechanics of a human surviving and breathing inside the fish? And we're trying to wonder these things out. And there's nothing bad or wrong with wondering these things. But I think that when we start looking for natural explanations we seem to miss the point. The point being that God is acting, that this is God's story. He is doing all of this. 
So if we keep trying to explain away all these extra natural things, casting lots and storms and fish, then we miss God. And the book of Jonah is about God. Number two, the story of Jonah takes us, takes Jonah down, down, down. There's really a great literary device happening in this story, which is an amazing piece of literature, simply because there's this movement down. You know, it says that Jonah went down to Joppa, and then he went down into the hold of the ship, and then he went down into the fish's belly, and then he went down to the bottom of the ocean. Down, down, down. There's a descent happening. And it's interesting that this descent is representing for Jonah the moving away, all the other stuff that has propped up his life. You know, it's like just stripping away the stuff of, of Jonah's life that he was holding on to or believing or wanting. And, and by taking that away, finally Jonah can get to the bottom and see God. He can get rid of all the stuff that's preventing him from connecting with God. Down, down, down. And the scriptures often talk about a spiritual seeing. You know, that there's this natural world that we can see, that we have around us, and we can, like, just see with our eyes. But there's also a spiritual realm that if we have spiritual seeing, we can also see. Interesting story from the Old Testament and the prophet Elisha. Hear this story and just think about the opening of eyes to see spiritually. It says that when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots, all of, of fire, all around Elisha. Just an interesting little glimpse we get of seeing the natural, but then being opened up to be able to see the spiritual. It's like the three dimension, right? Like you can see me in three dimension, but there is more. There's like another dimension that is out there just as real as we are here. But we just can't see it in the same way. Well, down, down, down to the belly of the fish, and then Jonah prays. Jonah has this like facing death moment where he, everything is gone. He's, it's been pulled away, and now he is facing God. And in that moment, he prays. And we're not going to take a lot of time looking into the, the prayer, the psalm this morning, but it is very interesting to just note that Jonah is actually just quoting a lot of other psalms and prayers. It's not some new, unique prayer of his own, but he's quoting from other sources. You know, and Jonah, as a priest and a prophet, has memorized the, the, all the psalms. He has taken them in, and they've been written on his heart. And so when he comes to this crisis moment, 
facing death, the words of his prayer come from those things that were written on his heart. And this is kind of a challenge for us as we consider the story of Jonah. Like, what are the things that have been written on our hearts? You know, what have we brought in through our mind and our thoughts and has gone down so deeply that it's just written on us? You know, you might think in, in life, if you're here in Colorado, you're suddenly driving in the icy road and you slam on your brakes and now you're sliding. And you have that, like, life flash before you moment. And what prayer comes up from within you? You know, is it the prayer of, oh, no, season three, episode four? Or, oh, no, the Packers are playing this afternoon. Or, oh, no, you know, the seven principles of life and leadership. You know, what is it that is written on you that is your prayer that pulls up in that moment? And whatever we think of Jonah and our judgments of him as a poor prophet, he had the Psalms written on his heart so that he could bring that up and use it as his prayer. Let's read Jonah's prayer. Jonah chapter 2. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and all your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed upon me, closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And at the roots of the mountain, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the text continues. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up upon dry land. So Jonah's prayer, it's, this, it's a simple prayer. There's no great new revelation about understanding God and who he is and, and like a revelation happening. But instead, it's, it's Jonah having the self-revelation or the revelation from God to, to help him see, perhaps in the first time, in this way, to see God and to come to God. You know, he is in this drowning, going down to Sheol, to death. And in his review of his life, this is what opens up. He sees, oh, God, you are the one 
who's tossing me out. I have put myself in this situation by, by running away from you. I am drowning, and I look to your temple. That's the one thing I want is to see you. And he recommits himself to the vow that he has made to God and to follow through. And as we hear Jonah's story, I think we can connect to those moments in our own lives when we hit that hopeless moment. You know, maybe it's a, it's a situation where it truly is the life flashing before you moment, and you assess your life, and you make a new commitment in that moment of, God, I will follow you. But maybe it's, it's not as traumatic or dramatic, but it's simply that things of your life have been pulled away. Some of the things that have held up your life are now being stripped away. And in that, you can now see God and turn to God. It's interesting what Jonah prays when he says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. You know, those idols, for Jonah, that's the things that have propped up his life that he's been holding on to. And these are things that have gotten in the way of him seeing God. It's gotten in the way of him receiving and living in God's steadfast love. You know, last week we talked about Jonah, how his, his nationalism, wanting his people to be protected and safe and good, and for those others to be crushed and punished, that was getting in the way of him seeing God's steadfast love. Number three, sign of Jonah. The scribes and Pharisees once asked Jesus for a sign. You know, they were asking for some proof. Hey, Jesus, give us some proof of this spiritual realm. You know, they looked at Jesus and they just saw a man. And they're like, you are a man. There's nothing about you that is God. And they rejected him. And even though they could see with their eyes the miracles Jesus did, like Jesus calmed storms, Jesus, Jesus like raised people back to life, he healed people, he fed people, Jesus did these things that were not ordinary, but they refused to see it. They could not see it. And so they are asking Jesus once again, give us a sign. And here's what Jesus said to them. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. Ooh, that probably didn't, like, feel very good. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh? will stand up at the judgment day with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. What is the sign of Jonah? It's interesting. There seems to be two parts that Jesus talks about. This one part of Jonah went down into the belly of the fish, dead, and God brought him back up. And spit him back out. Jesus, he was about to go to the cross where he would die. And he would go to the heart of the earth. 
and be raised back to life again. That's the sign. It's right there for them to see if they can see. But almost equally in the second part of this is what God did with the Ninevites. Their repentance is a sign. And this is fascinating that the shocking thing happened. And we're like, no way would that awful, horrible, cruel nation ever turn to God. But somehow Jonah already knew in his heart that they had the echo of God's love in them and that if he pointed them to God, they would go. And that happened. It happened. And that's like the sign of God's presence. It's the sign of God's love. It's the sign of God's involvement here on earth everywhere and in everything. A couple weeks ago, I said this quote from Richard Rohr that God's grace is the goodness glue that holds it all together, making everything work. The sign of Jonah is this great thing that God is all around us and mixed in to everything going on. Number four, echo, echo, echo. John of the Cross once said, Everything I say is as far from the reality as is a painting from the living object it represented. As we think about this natural world, the things we can see and touch and feel in our human knowing way, there's this spiritual realm that we have access to, but it's kind of like the painting. You, know, you can think about a, an artist you know, looking west at the mountains as the sun sets and the beautiful colors, and they're just trying to paint that and capture that, you know, get all the details of the beauty that the artist sees. But that painting is just a mere echo of the true view that the artist is looking at. And maybe you've done this. You've done this kind of thing. You go into a cave, and you shout, echo, and it comes back to you. And the sound waves bounce off, and you hear your voice again. You know, the idea of an echo is in our natural realm. We're, we're getting these echoes from the spiritual realm. We can't quite cross over to see all the fullness of it, but it's there. It's so fascinating for us to just imagine God pulling back the curtain so that Elisha's servant could see the reality all around. Or for us, if God pulled back the curtain, we'd be like, oh, okay. And we would be overwhelmed. We'd probably fall down. It would be so astounding to see all of God in the spiritual realm around us. And so we have this echo in our hearts. And often, art is, is trying to capture those echoes, right? It's trying to grab onto those echoes and, and, and hold them. You know, so whether art, like um, a poem, you know, writing and capturing the, the thoughts and the words, or a song or a painting, trying to capture something of this spiritual reality that's around us and in us. Recently, I've been super intrigued, and some of you know more about this than others, by John Denver's Country Road song. So back in the late 90s, I lived in China, and this is my kind of first introduction to this song, and I was invited to go do karaoke. And um, on the, you know, the choosing the list, um, there was always one English song, only one, Country Roads. And so I always had to sing that. 
And I will not do it now. Amen. Thank you, Brad. But it, it always fascinates me, like, why is that song on the karaoke playlist in English? And in thinking about this recently and seeing this, there is something in that song that captures the echo and just grabs a hold of people universally. I mean, this song has been translated into over 20 languages. It's been covered, you know, 150-some times. Like, it is crazy how this song has resonated with people because of the echo. You know, that chorus that says, Country roads take me home to the place I belong. You know, I have a great affinity for country roads myself. Just thinking about, you know, all those dirt roads that take me to people in their homes. But beyond that, I think the idea of just take me home resonates to the place I belong. We're all longing for this home and belonging that there's an echo here for sure, but we are longing for this thing that's with God to be known by him and solid and secure in our identity of belonging with God. You know, you could just... If you went home for Christmas, maybe there's a little bit of disappointment in going home. And the reason is because this is an echo. It can't hold all the longing that we have for home and belonging. Today, we're going to leave Jonah spit up by the fish on shore. Jonah came face to face with God as he did the descent down. As all the things of his life were stripped away, nothing to prop him up, no things he could hold on to anymore, he came to face to face with God and cried out. Jonah recommitted his vow to God. And I, th I think it's so interesting in this story how Jonah knew that the Ninevites had this echo of God in their heart. And that if he went and pointed to God, they would just run to God. And they did. This morning, what is God echoing in your heart? You know, how do you know this God of abounding love? You know, how have you come face to face with God? And maybe you have your own story of, you know, the down-down circumstances descent to take you to the bottom. And that's where you met God, and, and God put you back together. But maybe you have a less dramatic descent story of something just being taken away, and in that, you were pulled in the echo toward God. And God wrapped you up. Or maybe you have just been hearing this and hearing that, ah, there's a natural world and a spiritual world, and just see the natural, but ah, questions about that spiritual realm. Maybe you hear the echo in your heart, but you don't know necessarily what to do with that or where to take that to get to the source. Well, this morning, as we come to the communion table, you know, whatever echo God has in your heart, would you simply listen to it? In, in whatever way you know to listen to it and turn your attention to God and say, God, please give me more.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing up in great stories. And not just in Jonah, but in each of our life, you are coming after us. Wanting to know us, wanting us to know you, wanting us to live in love and to share that with all of our neighbors. God, I pray that you, in your echo, would move us toward yourself and that you would give us more and more. And God, bring us into your presence. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.